NOVSB in Lisbon, I am Philippe Alfayat, and this is the Sustainability and Impact Global Series. From climate change to poverty, hunger, racism or gender inequality, business are increasingly called to step up and be part of the solution. But kind words and one-off projects alone will not cut it. In this series of eight episodes, we'll do a deep dive into Africa, checking how some enterprises are serving the consumers at the bottom of the pyramid. The tools they use, the challenges they face, how they adapt their pricing, marketing, distribution to commercial reach a growing market of more than 2.5 billion people globally. I'm passionate about unleashing the power of business to solve global challenges. It has been the focus of my work across more than 35 countries in the past decades, either as an adjunct professor, entrepreneur, a consultant or a policy advisor. And it is with the fuel from that exact passion that we put together this series, which is a collaborative effort with my talented students and great teaching team. You see, in the past two school years, a mix of students from all over the world that attended my course on leading impact enterprises in international development produced podcasts where they applied the course's learning to real enterprises. They did outstanding work, and the best six podcasts will be at the center of this series and its debates. In this episode, we'll have an insightful journey with the enterprise to scale, which is unleashing the power of business in Africa to bring prosperity in 10 African countries through inclusive agribusiness. With a total budget of 100 million euros, they want to accelerate and have been working to accelerate the movement towards sustainable clusters in agribusiness through learning in entrepreneurship. They have some demanding and awesome targets, like improving access to nutritious food for at least 1 million bottom of the period consumers or developing inclusive business with 5,000 medium and small enterprises. Today I'm here with Daniela Afonso, TA and the driving force behind this podcast. Hi Daniela, how are you? Hi, thank you for having me. Pleasure to have you. So when you listen to this podcast that was put together by our talented students, what were the most salient um, points? There were many, but um, at least for me, the one I would highlight would be when Tuskel explains how they are promoting the products they sell. For instance, they share an example that in Ethiopia, they are using a door-to-door -door distribution strategy that leverages the, the women who are already their clients to tell other women about baby food of Tuscal. And this mm -hmm. is the perfect example of how the bottom of the pyramid is such a rational group in terms of consumption behaviors that they need to trust the, the, the product before buying it. So hearing from those already using it raises the acceptability of the product and also the enterprise. And if I may add another moment that is related to this, it's also when they discuss the importance of certification so that an external entity also ensures um, that the product has high quality and and that they can that they can trust it what do you think do you have any other moments yes daniel i think there's two i think there's two main points uh for me the first one is it's about this interesting approach to develop a cluster of agribusiness they are not doing what a typical aid program does they are not pushing small entrepreneurs and medium enterprises to cater for the needs of the government 
or the needs of the international development sector, they are helping them, capacitating them to become market leaders, business, uh, sustainable business in their own countries. And that is pushing them and helping them to become entrepreneurs and developing business endeavors that will become sustainable because they are focusing on their local markets instead of focusing on the government. Which means that when this aid program finishes and ends, these organizations, if they have a sound business model, if they have a good product, a good service, they'll keep on. They will not stop when the aid money uh, runs out. So I think that's that's a different of mindset on how to develop the market and and unleash the power of business to solve global problems, specifically on the agribusiness sector. So I think that's the first point for me. The second one is, it was so interesting to see how knowledgeable this incubator is about the marketing mix that you just referred to in terms of how are you going to sell these products? How are you going to market them? How are you going to price them? And there's a lot of good insights and good lessons to learn from uh, the interviews that were done by the students and the information that they put together uh, in a really, really organized, well-structured and clear way. So I want to acknowledge that the members of this group, Lisa Antonissen, Luis Flores, Robert Feza, Victoria Schwarz, Tomás Laranjo, I want to uh, thank for their work, congratulate them for the result of the work that they put to, to, together, and uh, invite you all to listen to the, to the postcard they prepared for us. So accessibility has been approached using the door-to-door distribution system. That they have to work and get benefit by themselves. Don't just wait for getting aid from somewhere. The people know that scientific things are something that they want to have, you know. Welcome to today's session of the podcast, how to lead your own social enterprise and rock at it. My name is Lisa. Hey, and my name is Robert. And today we have an interesting case regarding an initiative full of innovation in Africa, named TwoScale. So, welcome Robert. Um, you talked with some people uh, of TwoScale, but can you give us some more information about this organization? Yeah, I can give you a little description of TwoScale. Um, TwoScale is an acronym that stands for, and I have to read that because it's quite long, uh, towards sustainable clusters in agribusiness through learning in entrepreneurship. So TwoScale is basically an incubator program which is supporting smallholder farmers and uh, small and medium-sized enterprises, also farmer groups. And hereby they focus on developing products and market for local consumer markets uh, and preferably market it towards the bottom of the pyramid. Okay, thank you. That was super clear. But how did it all start? So TwoScale was founded by the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of the Netherlands and you can find them in Ethiopia, Ghana, Kenya and many more countries uh, throughout Africa. Also behind TwoScale are three organizations. Firstly, the IFDC, which stands for the International Fertilizer Development Center. Then the BOP Inc., that's the base of the Pyramid Innovation Center, and SNV, which stands in Dutch for the Netherlands Development Organization. Okay, so and before the podcast, we already had a small talk, and you told me about the three main goals of uh, TwoScale. First of all, improving the access to nutritious food for at least 1 million BOP consumers, and this in 40 uh, markets through inclusion in the targeted value chains. If I remember right, it was a second goal to improve the livelihoods of 750,000 smallholders, 
years. Um, through interventions like offering training on agricultural practices um, and things like this. Um, and then lastly, um, Tuscale also wants to develop really inclusive business with fi 5,000 SMEs. Um, SMEs, but also uh, farmer organizations. Is this right or do you want to add something? Well, yeah, Lisa, I'm impressed. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you. You remembered everything pretty well, what I told you before the recordings. Also, to get a better insight into Tuscale, what they are doing, we conducted some interviews with guest speakers. Uh, we had interviews with two of the team leaders of Ethiopia. Uh, their names are Jasmirak Asefa and Tekal Gudisa. I hope I pronounced those names right, but um, when they hear it, they probably know who we mean. Then we also interviewed the team leader of the Ivory Coast team, Musa Dinu, and uh, Abalo Adodo, which is uh, part of the management team of Tuscale. Okay, so now that we know Tuscale better, we already had a short introduction about the guest speakers. Um, let's dive deeper in how they fulfill their role as an incubator. I think everything starts with uh, partnerships. Yeah, so there are basically two ways Two scale can find its partners. The first way it's two scale is gonna approach small businesses or medium enterprises uh, because they fit very very well into the portfolio. And the second way is a bit more complex. Then the enterprises do have to apply at two scale, and then there's a process where two scale checks if they fit inside the portfolio and an application process. This is how they find their partners. Okay, very interesting. So it seems that Two Scales really wants to make sure that a sustainable long-term rela relationship is built. Yes, exactly. And for this topic, we conducted an interview with Abalo Adodo from the management team. I'd say let's hear what he says about that. It was even difficult for the Two Scale colleagues to understand that we are pushing people to do business by themselves down to just uh, give them money. Uh, we give you money to develop yourself. No, we want them to do business and gain by their business, not to wait for any kind of aid from anyone. That's very clear. He stresses that Tuscale is not an aid program, but really an incubator program. Okay, so now let's talk about more the operations of Tuscale. For example, marketing-wise, um, did you get some interesting insights? Yeah, we conducted an interview with the team lead in Ethiopia and asked what is the key approach when marketing towards the BOP. The product has to be acceptable. And, you know, the, we, are, we, we, we use this for... Uh, Uh, BOP market assessment tool, affordability, acceptability of the product, uh, availability of the product when they need it. The product has to be available when they need it. Uh, it has to be affordable in terms of price and it has to be acceptable when we say culturally or in terms of aspirations of the kind of product they want to have. So the 4S of the marketing was uh, something that we, we used uh, to focus our uh, marketing uh, interventions there. Oh, wow. That's really great to hear because we see that a team leader is really applying the content that is taught in the classroom. Yes, indeed. Since he was referring to the 4As, which are kind of the counterpart of the conventional marketing mix, sustaining out of the four P's, uh, which are the price, place, product and promotion, as we all know. I took the chance and asked specifically about how they achieve acceptability among the BOP consumers, since this seems like a huge challenge to me. And if some of the other A's do have to be addressed in order to achieve acceptability. And his answer was also exceptionally interesting. Yeah, in fact, uh, uh, in order to make it more acceptable, you know, in Ethiopia, traditionally, people uh, prepare their own uh, baby food at home. The idea is uh, for the BOPs to think that this product is 
once they can make it at home, but this is made in a precision, like the, uh, you know, the uh, enriching the product in terms of the content is more scientific. And the people know that scientific things are something that they want to have, you know, uh, but we, ha you know, we have to create uh, awareness of the product because it is a product is made from uh, maize and uh, serving. So people don't know much about soybean, but we have to uh, create some kind of awareness about the soybean because soybean is not widely available in Ethiopia and it's uh, not uh, a common product in in the country. So we, we have to promote that product so that we create awareness. With the creation of the awareness, uh, there will be an acceptability because they only they can make porridge for baby porridge can be made at a household level. But this time we made it made it uh, clear that it is commercially produced by a company which has already ISO certified and all the certifications and uh, you know uh, the system they had. Okay, so if I understood it right. To reach acceptability, um, awareness has to be created and awareness can be seen as the education of the customers. Yeah, it's so interesting, the thing about the science as well, what he said, that they are actually able to convince people through that fact. Also, that he mentions the importance of certified products. In this case, ISO certification. Uh, I think that was very interesting to me. After all, it seems like the BOP consumers do have similar wants and needs as customers from conventional markets, especially in this case when it comes to the health of their kids. Okay, but I can imagine that creating acceptability for baby food can be really hard. Yeah, that's true. But they have a great approach to it. Let's hear what they have to say. So uh, a baby food made uh, using factories is not a new product in Ethiopia. So there are a few companies uh, who introduced the same product in the mm. market. So uh penetrating the market is not something that the company has to push as uh, a new product that's one and the second uh, leverage is the distribution system so this gets agro after uh, developing the product uh, keeping all the parameters that uh, baby moms require to have an, a baby product they used a micro franchising system where women distribute the product door to door to households and these women have their own babies and know the product well to explain it to uh, the buyers, the, the baby uh, mothers, saying this product has got this and that, and it has uh, it, it will make a contribution or a food component of uh, nutritional values uh, indicated in the label will, will uh, serve the baby in terms of this disease nutrients, saying or explaining this way, it gets uh, like, it contributed to convince moms to accept the product. So accessibility has been approached using the door-to-door -door distribution system where women were uh, the ones to explain because people get com uh, convinced if they hear it from the same type or the same position that the person have in terms of their role. So moms hearing about a baby food from a, a woman who has a children who tested the product and uh, witness about the content of the product also helped uh, to get acceptability of the product uh, in the market. Okay, so she's also saying that properly stating ingredients is important. But how great is the idea to solve the problem of last mile distribution through an own micro fr franchising where the franchisers are actually the moms? Because obviously mothers do trust other mothers more than any commercial guy. It's a genius way to combine word of mouth marketing with last mile distribution. But now my question is, to whom do you actually sell those products? 
Are people in Ethiopia wealthy enough to buy such products? Really, really good question. Let's hear what they have to say about this topic. So uh, in terms of segmenting the BOP market, so culturally in Ethiopia, like households prepare baby food in house in the house. So if you see the urban and rural areas, no, rural areas don't have like uh, income generating activities, which they do on top of their household responsibilities. So targeting rural market might not serve the company. So the target of the company is uh, moms who are like doing uh, income generating activity side uh, side by side also giving birth and raising children are the target market so because they are busy in their own other uh, responsibility or activities they are like pushed to buy rather than uh, produce in the household so positionally the segment goes to urban and peri urban population where they can buy rather than produce in the house is the segment of BOP market, which was targeted by the company as a segment of its market. Huh? Oh, wow. I was not expecting this. When I hear about Ethiopia, I actually mostly think about rural areas. Yeah, exactly. After hearing that, I went on this website called Dollar Street. Uh, Dollar Street is a one-of-a-kind image bank of everyday life across the world. It uses photos as data to show what life actually looks like on all different income levels. This website did help me to get an idea of how people in Ethiopia actually live. And here on this website, I learned how narrow-minded we as some Europeans or first world citizens can be sometimes. Uh, of course, not all people in Ethiopia do live in little huts in the jungle. <laughs> of course. Okay, I should definitely visit that website. This is all very interesting. But do you know how Tuskill actually measures their impact with these approaches? I mean, as they are working with different companies in different countries and on different projects, I imagine it's hard to have metrics that can be applied to all these projects. Yeah, that was my thought as well. Apalo Adodo explained that to us very much in detail. And we have partnerships that are built around the value chains. And uh, going beyond uh, that partnerships, we have... Uh, we call it uh, universal impact indicators. Mm -hmm. These indicators are only eight for the two-skill program, and uh, they are in uh, different ranges. Uh, the first one, for instance, is about the nutrition. The second one is about uh, the inclusion of uh, smaller farmers. The third one is about uh, uh, coefficient practices uh, when we talked about climate change issues. Then the rest, I would say, are mainly indicators that are informing on the composition, the organization of the value chain itself. You have uh, SMEs, you have uh, employees, you have uh, Micro SMEs, uh, finance, innovations that are mobilized, these kind of things, yeah. Then that the way we use it during the life of the program. To be honest, when I heard the measurement, I wasn't entirely convinced at first. I do like the approach that they have the measurements in the different areas, and I do see the value, but I was wondering how they make sure that they really have a long-lasting impact. What happens, for example, when the collaboration with TwoScale ends? Do the companies continue to sell the products? Are they, are they successful and how does TwoScale actually measure that they do it? He told me about an inventory study that they do regularly to measure the long-term success. Let's shortly listen into it. But at the end, what we did for phase one, for instance, uh, we did a kind of um, inventory study. We reached out to old partners to check if they continue to work, if they continue to collaborate uh, in the partnership like we supported 
to develop before when we were with them and uh, these kind of things and then we uh, we call mainly is uh, by calling we call and ask questions and uh, we can call uh, one two three or four partners on the same chain to check and uh, to triangulate later the information before we do analysis of these informations yeah. so interesting i'm a big fan of that approach yeah me too It's great that they are staying in touch with their collaborators. Mm -hmm. But sadly, this also marks the end of our conversation. Let me sum up a little bit what happened. Um, today, we had an insightful journey with TwoScale. Uh, we learned how they built a successful incubator program for the bottom of the pyramid in Africa. Moreover, we explored the world of partnerships of social enterprises, the process of how TwoScale specifically selects their partners and the great importance of maintaining sustainable and long-lasting relationships. And we went also more to the operational side. We learned about the big challenge of financing entrepreneurial projects at the BOP and how direct aid is not always the solution. But the real value comes when people learn how to finance themselves. Next to that, we looked at best practices of product placement at the BOP, which includes the four A's, and using a correct market segmentation and the key role that word of mouth has to convince skeptical customers of the effectiveness of their product. To end our podcast, we want to thank again you, our listeners, but also our guest speakers of TwoScale, Yemis Raj Asefa, Tegalan Kudisa, Musa Dionu and Abala Adodo. Thanks again for your time and amazing insights. So with that being said, Lisa, see you next week. See you and thanks for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sustainability and Impact Global series. Please follow this podcast on Spotify and on Nova's SB platform, Road to Play and be part of this community working to unleash the power of business to solve global challenges one day at a time.